Hello, everybody. My name is Tim. I'm one of the guys that speaks here. I'm, I'm glad you're here. And I hope by the time we're done, I hope you're glad you're here, too. Got to start today with kind of a confession. Uh, when I was asked to speak on what I was asked to speak on today, my first reaction was, really? I was asked to speak on beauty. And I'm like, Really? You, you, I mean, you have a talk on that. I'm not sure I have a talk on that. I don't think I've ever looked at what God says about that. And so I was a little bit put off by it and like, okay. But, but then as I got into it, it started doing something to me. And there was just so much more here than I had any idea. And uh, I, I hope you'll have something of that sort of experience today. Uh, beauty is a hard thing to talk about, kind of a, a tricky, complicated thing to talk about because, as we all know, we've all heard the old cliche, that beauty is in the... Right, the eye of the beholder. Think about that beauty. Now, what's that saying? It's saying beauty is not something that's really real. It just depends on your perspective. You know, what's beautiful to one person is not, you know, one man's treasures, another man's trash or whatever. And so they'd say, oh, this is entirely subjective, entirely relative. And I, and I can understand that. You know, that beauty is just a matter of opinion. I can understand that. I'm, I'm a child of the 70s. And, and uh, when I was growing up, um, what was considered beautiful was this. <laughs> that was the 70s. That was beauty in the 70s. Then in the 80s, I'm still growing up, hopefully, in the 80s. And uh, in the 80s, beauty was considered to be this. Bo Derek. Who who remembers Bo Derek in the cornrows? She made cornrows so hot for white women (laughs) for about a month. But then the 90s came. And and see, I, I believe that the 90s gave us the true, ultimate, objective, undeniable, inarguable depiction of what beauty truly is because the 90s taught us that 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 what beauty really is is this <laughs> that leave that up a second that's beautiful right there I, I don't care who you are now bulls are doing okay this year but i miss him so much <laughs> that's beautiful right, beautiful right there so on the one hand beauty is this subjective thing <coughs> but on the other hand Maybe there's a lot more to it than that. And here's some things that uh, beauty and beautiful just might have to do with wherever you're at in your your life today. For starters, I really believe that, that beauty is something that can draw you to God. And when I say draw you to God, I mean, I mean, if you're somebody who has always struggled with believing if there really is a God. Now, I, I have my doubts. There are plenty of times where I go to myself, say to myself, you know, maybe, maybe whoever says that is right, that this is all just a random collection and collision of atoms and molecules. And maybe there is that, that, that thought crosses my mind and troubles me from time to time. But I've always believed there's a God. But I, but I know that everybody isn't like that. And maybe you're not someone who's always believed there's a God. Or maybe, some, maybe you're someone who used to always, but you, but, you, but you really don't anymore for this reason. Maybe for you it's like an intellectual thing, like it's just, it just there just isn't enough you know, uh, empirical evidence. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's much more personal. Maybe 
you struggle with believing there is a God because the way things have gone or are going in your life. There's just so much hurt and so much disappointment and, and, and so much pain that it makes it really hard to believe that there is a God at all. And if that's where you are, I, I, I really believe beauty can help. One of my favorite books is by this guy by the name of Timothy Keller. He, he wrote this book called The Reason for God. And he, he's, he's a pastor in New York City in Manhattan, you know, which arguably is as skeptical a place spiritually as there, as, as there is in, in our country, as skeptical about everything, including the existence of God. And, and, and listen to what he says. This is kind of a long quote, but stick with me because I think he's got a point here. Listen to what he says. He says, if there is no God and everything in the world is the product of an accidental collection of atoms, if we are the product of accidental natural forces, then what we call beauty is nothing but a neurological hardwired response to particular data. You only find certain scenery beautiful because you had ancestors who, uh, who would find food there and, and, and survive because of this neurological feature, and now we have it too. And then he says this, but in the presence of art or great natural beauty, our hearts tell us another story. What is evoked in these experiences is more than feelings. It is appetite or desire. And this desire is a clue to the reality of God. We have a longing for joy, love, and beauty that no amount of, or quality of food, sex, friendship, or success can satisfy. Isn't that at least a clue that this something we want exists this unfulfillable longing for beauty qualifies as a deep, innate human desire and that makes it a major clue that God is. I mean, what he's saying is, what if when you see a landscape that's beautiful or hear a piece of, of music that's beautiful or, or, or see a person smile that, that's beautiful and, and, and something in your heart just goes, wow. It's like, whoa, that is just beautiful. What if that experience in and of itself is a clue that God is? And what if your experience of beauty can tell you that faith in God is not just some blind, superstitious, superstitious leap for people who are prone to believe? What if your own personal experience of beauty is a clue that God is? Another one of my favorite books is a, is a book called Simply Christian by a, he's a, he's a English, uh, he's an archbishop in, uh, uh, in, in, in uh, Great Britain, N.T. Wright, and he wrote this book called Simply Christian. And, and, and he, he doesn't call beauty a clue. He calls beauty the echo of a voice. I really like this. Listen to what he says. He says, the beauty of the natural world is the echo of a voice. Christianity says it is the voice of the creator echoing off the mountains, murmuring in the sunset, crashing in the waves. It is his beauty we see reflected in a thousand faces and forms. So that's how two best-selling authors put it. One person calls beauty a clue to God. Another calls beauty the echo of voice, here's how the best-selling book of all time puts it. 
Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, have been made visible, being understood from what has been made. Now that's a pretty short verse right there, but, but it's saying something pretty profound. It, 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 it's saying that God wants us to not just merely exist. He wants us to revel and delight in, in, in beauty. And if you struggle with believing that God exists at all, beauty can be a clue that he does. Beauty can be the echo of a voice saying, I'm here. Beauty can draw you to God. And uh, most of y'all I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how you're wired up intellectually or spiritually or whatever. But maybe, just maybe, it's no accident that you're here today. Maybe, just maybe, it's no coincidence that we're talking about what we're talking about today. Because as hard as things are to understand and as hard and painful and ugly as life can sometimes be, you can still have reason to believe that God is because you know what it's like to see or hear or experience something and go, wow, that's, that's beautiful. So beauty can draw you to God. But a lot of us would say, well, I don't really struggle with that. You know, I, I, I've always believed there's a God. I don't really struggle. I have my doubts occasionally about this or that. But I, I've always basically believed there's a God. Well, if that's where you are, I think beauty's for you too. Because I think beauty can not only draw you to God, I think beauty can draw you closer to God. Let me share with you one person's story that I have permission to share because, well, it's on the internet and you can find it too. <laughs> I found this in somebody's blog. See if you can relate. Quote, I was baptized in Catholic Church, grew up in Catholic Church, got married in Catholic Church. I've always been in church. I, I haven't always been a church every Sunday person, but I've been to a lot of church services over the course of my life. I spent so much time going through the motions and the rituals that I never really understood the Bible or got to know God. Standing, kneeling, and sitting over and over again was distracting me. While I am there, I am usually thinking about not being there. Caught you, didn't I? Um, <laughs> There's so much that I don't know about God in the Bible. I used to think that God had to happen between 10 and 12 on Sunday morning. Now I know that getting to God can be done in my own simple way. And one of those simple ways is to intentionally seek beauty. I go to a church, but I also intentionally go to a park near my house where there's a quiet pond and a simple bench. I go there not just to relieve some stress and get away from it all. I go there to be closer to God especially around sunset. As the red and yellow and orange and magenta hues fill the sky, they reflect on the surface of the water, and it's beautiful. And it helps me get out of the complexity of my messed up life and into the simple reality that there's a God who loves me and who makes beautiful things out of oxygen and hydrogen and all sorts of things just for me to enjoy in His presence. I intentionally seek out beauty because I want to get closer to God 
there, there's a book I like a lot called Sacred Pathways. Gary Thomas wrote it. And his idea is that we all um, don't get closer to God in the same way and that we're not supposed to. In the same way there's different temperaments and, and, and different ways of, of approaching life, there's, there's also different pathways to God. Now we're, talking about, we're not talking about all paths leading to God, not like that religious relativism, you know, spiritual, whatever. No, we're talking about finding God. There's, there, there's a way that fits best with who you are. And, and the person who, who is drawn closer to God, you know, by spending time in nature, he calls that the path of the naturalist. And uh, that's straight out of Scripture. Look what Psalm 19, 1 and 2 says. Whoever wrote this was probably a naturalist. The psalmist is speaking and he says, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. The echo of voice. And night to night reveals knowledge. Now, I like being out in nature. And I enjoy, I enjoy beautiful sunset and beautiful landscapes. My, my oldest son, who's 23, he and I went hiking this, this August. Went out to Badlands. And it was beautiful in its own way. Then we went to, out to uh, Black Hills. And it was beautiful in its own ways. Then we went up to to Teddy Roosevelt, uh, Theodore Roosevelt National Park up in North Dakota, and it was beautiful, and, so, and it was really wonderful, and, and being with my son and being outdoors, and I like being outdoors, but being out in nature doesn't really draw me closer to God. I enjoy it, but it doesn't make me feel closer to God. Um, something else works for me, because I'm wired up different than the naturalist. One of the things that I do, especially when I'm a particularly spiritually parched, is uh, I go down to the Art Institute, Chicago. How many have been to the Art Institute? Now, man, it bothers me that I don't go there more often. And I, and I really like to go there, especially because of the modern art wing. Because in the modern art wing, there's this one painting that, you've, you, that, you, that you might recognize. How many recognize this painting? How many recognize that? You've seen it somewhere, probably on some dorm room wall someplace. But the, the original of this, of Seurat's Afternoon someplace, it's in French, I can't, I can't say it. But the original of this is down at the Art Institute, and, and there's no way that seeing it on screen can really do justice to it. It's there, and, it, and it, it's huge. It's not like a painting like, like this big. That's not blown up. That's, I would say, isn't it a little bit bigger than that down on the wall there? It's, it's tremendous. And what's amazing is you get close enough to it, and, and all of that color, the entire painting is made of just dots. There's no brush strokes. There's no lines. There's just dots. Dot, dot. Dot, 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 dot. And you get close to it. You look, you look at it and you go, my goodness, this is all just, this is just a gabillion. That's the highest number in the world, gabillion. There's, there's, it's just a gabillion dots. And, it, and, and, and it's the, the color and the texture and the depth of field. And it's so incredible, especially the monkey in the foreground. This little monkey down there. It's a monkey made out of dots. And, 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 I, and I stand in front of that painting and it does something to me. It's not just artistically impressive. It's like, well, I don't know if that Sarah guy believed in God or not. But man, God, God made a human being that could make incredible beauty out of dots. It does something to me. Draws me closer to him. See, beauty can only draw you to God. It can draw you closer to God. And maybe, maybe just maybe the reason you're here today is because 
amidst your busy and hectic and complicated life or the hurt that you're going through, maybe, maybe with all the things that you got to, to get done in the coming week, what if maybe the most important thing to do on a regular basis is intentionally seek a deeper personal connection with God? And maybe you're here today because God's saying, hey, whatever you find beautiful, whatever does something to you, let me allow, allow me to let that connect you to me. So whatever you find beautiful, what if that's one thing you could do different just because you're here this morning? Sometime this week, maybe on a daily basis, you're going to intentionally seek out beauty. Not just for the aesthetic experience, but because beauty can draw you closer to God. Maybe that's why you're here today. So beauty can draw you to God. Beauty can draw you closer to God, but even more so, I, I really believe that beauty can take you to a whole new place in your relationship with God. A whole new place. Here's what I mean. I want to say something that I, I think if, you, if you'll take it in and take me seriously, it, it'll probably bother you a little bit. Um, did you know that according to God... Um, you're beautiful. Now, I realize I just made all the men in the room really uncomfortable because, you know, <laughs> I'm just not cool with a dude saying to another dude that you're beautiful because, after all, you know, the most a guy is is handsome. Well, actually, fellas, I, 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 women tell me that, 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 that a man can indeed be beautiful. Is that true, ladies? Is it true that a man can be beautiful? That's what my wife says about Johnny Depp. I'll tell you that much. She, she, she looks at him and she goes, I realize he's not a young guy anymore, but wow, he is beautiful. But when I say that, accor that according to God, you're beautiful, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking, fellas, about physical beauty per se. And, 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 and uh, ladies, um, I'm not talking about physical beauty by our culture's messed up standards either. I, I tell you what, I... I know as a guy, I have no idea the pressure that you're under to look a certain way. I found a piece of research that says that 75% of women agreed with the statement, I am ugly. They weren't talking about me, though. That would have been even more depressing. No, 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 no about themselves. 75% of women say that they see themselves as ugly. And no wonder, because in, in, in our culture, if you don't have a certain kind of figure and a certain kind of teeth and lips and certain kind of hair and clothes and eyes and certain kind of body parts that I'm not supposed to mention because we're in church, then, you know, then, then, then you're not beautiful. I, I have three stepdaughters. Uh, blended family, three stepdaughters. My oldest stepdaughter is 23. The middle one's 17. The youngest just turned 10 on Friday. And, uh, and, and, and by cultural standards, I think anybody would say they're, they're really beautiful girls. 
I mean, physically, they're, be- they're beautiful girls. I can say that and not be weird because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm you know, just, just saying. And I thought that, oh, it, it must be so nice to be beautiful because, you know, every, you know where we, we, go, we go places and they get lots of compliments about their appearance and, you know, they have, they have, you know, they look the way they're supposed to look in our culture. And I thought, well, it must be wonderful for them that, that they don't have the burden of, of, of not being beautiful. But my experience after having been married to their mom for about the last five years and, and living in a household full of girls for the first time in my life, uh, having raised two boys myself, is uh, they, don't, they don't experience any peace from the fact that they happen to have just naturally, you know, what is considered beautiful. It's a burden. It's a burden to them. Am I always going to be beautiful? Who's going to be more beautiful than me? Am I going to be beautiful enough? When you, you know, what if my hair isn't right? What if my makeup isn't right? What if my clothes aren't right? And here's these three very beautiful girls, and they're, but they're plagued by our superficial, messed up, cultural stereotype of physical beauty. So obviously when I say to the women in the house today that according to God you're beautiful, I'm certainly not talking about according to, to, to cultural standards. Here's what I mean. See, there's this famous part of the Bible, and you might have heard of it um, or seen it if you've been around church much. It's, it's Psalm 139, and it goes like this. The psalmist is speaking to God and says, For you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How many have heard that phrase before? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, it's pretty. it makes it onto a lot of refrigerator magnets and things like that. Uh, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. We've heard that before. That's the part of one, Psalm 139 that gets quite a lot. But there's another part of Psalm 139 that I think just, as good as that is, that, that, that just takes it to a whole other level. Look, look, at, look at these other verses from Psalm 139. This is verses 17 and 18. Look what it says. it says. It says, God, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. They're more than all the grains of sand and all the beaches of the world. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Now stick with me. Because there's, there's an interesting thing here. Some translations of the Bible where it says there, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. Some translations of the Bible say, how precious are your thoughts, O God, to me. But think about the difference between how precious are your thoughts to me and how precious are your thoughts about me. Big difference in that one little prepositional thing. In fact, in, in, in the translations that say, how precious are your thoughts to me, They'll be like a little, they'll usually be little asterisks and there'll be a footnote, and then at the bottom it'll say, or toward me or about me. And here's how I know, in my opinion, that how precious are your thoughts about me, oh God, is 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 is, is the better translation. Because it, when it says I can't I can't even count how many thoughts you have about me, they outnumber the grains of sand. And see, the only way that that last part, when I wake up, you're still with me, makes sense. That doesn't make sense unless the, the psalmist is saying, how precious are your thoughts about me? Because think about it. When he says, how precious are your thoughts about me? They're, they're, they're so, you have so many thoughts about me. When I wake up, you're still with me. Here's what it's saying. I'm going to tell you a deep mystery that has truly just changed my life. Last night, while you slept, God thought about you every moment 
You matter so much to him. You are so beautiful to him. Even while you sleep, even while your mind is only is unconscious or only semi-conscious, he's entirely conscious of you. He's intentionally conscious of you. He's thinking, he's thinking about you. And 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 and, and, and what this when it says, when, when I wake up, you are still with me. What God is saying, he, he's saying, look. Again, I know this is hard, but see if you can let this in. He's saying to you, whoever you are, he's saying, I, I I can't stop thinking about you. You ever bump into somebody someplace out in public and say, oh, that's funny, I should see you here. I was just thinking about you. How many have had that experience? Isn't that a wonderful experience? I mean, is there anybody who doesn't like that experience? Is there anybody who says, well, stop it? No, no. No, that's awesome. When you bump into somebody, they go, oh, because, you know, why would you be thinking about me unless, unless, you know, you, unless I, you know, I mattered to you. It feels so good. I want, I want to suggest to you, folks, that if you were to have just, if you could, like, hypothetically, just if, if it was possible to bump into God someplace where you could hear him and see him like, like you could hear me and see him, I'll tell you what he would say to you. He might say a lot of things to you, but, he would, he, but, 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 but here's where he would land. He'd say, I, I can't get you off my mind. While you slept last night, I thought about you the whole time. I can't stop thinking about you. That's how much you mean to me. Now I know what somebody's thinking. They're going, no, that's just, you know, some, you know, Weird preacher talk, because you know, in God's eyes, I am not beautiful. God knows the truth about me. God knows what I've done. He knows how messed up I am. He knows, he knows my sin, and, and sin is ugly. And uh, he may love me, and he may forgive me, but I, I'm not truly beautiful to him. Well, and, and I understand that feeling, because sin is ugly. If, 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 if everybody in this house knew me well enough, if everybody in this house knew me like God knows me. Now there's plenty of ugliness in me. But I'm here to tell you this morning in Jesus' name, you are not your sin. You are not your flaw. You are not your fallenness. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and, it, and, and, and that's okay because the only beholder that truly matters in his eyes, you are beautiful to him because you're his. I have two boys. They're 23 and 21 in grad school down in North Carolina, the other's in college at Southern Illinois University. Any Salukis in the house? Yeah. 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 Thank you, both of you. And you know what? My boys may not have awesome hair and gun show biceps and however many pack abs you're supposed to have these days. And I don't mean him any disrespect, but neither of them have the facial features of Johnny Depp. <laughs> but they are beautiful to me. 
because they're mine. My, my youngest, at, uh, at, uh, there was a concert in Peoria. My son's favorite band was playing in Peoria last night. So he drove up from Carbondale, and I drove down to Peoria. We went to see his favorite band uh, in this little dive down in Peoria last night, and I got to sit. Uh, he's a junior at, at uh, Southern, and I got to sit across from him after the concert at Steak and Shake. And it just hit me. He's so beautiful to me. Because he's mine. And I want to tell you that if you could sit across from God at Steak and Shake in Peoria, how I felt about my son last night is how the God of this universe would feel about you. And that can take you to a whole new place. A whole new place that's, that's free of guilt and shame and free of the fear that you're, that you're not good enough or that you're not doing enough for him. A, a place that's free of the nagging feeling that, 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 that you've messed up too much. It can take you to a place that's free from self-hatred and self-loathing and self-medicating and self-injury and self-satisfaction and self-absorption and self-righteousness. It can take you to a whole new place of security and peace and confidence and purpose and purity and holiness and truly God-given spirit-breathed intimacy with God because if beauty is in the eye of the beholder, that's okay. Because in the eye of the only beholder that ultimately matters. He can't stop thinking about you. Because you're his. And he gave up his one and only son. For the love of you. And the love of me. And there's nothing that could make him love you more. And there's nothing that could make him love you less than he does right now. Because you're his. And according to him, you're. Let's pray. God help us. It's hard. How could this possibly be true? The universe being as vast as it is and me being as small, both physically and personally in some ways, such a small person in so many ways. And yet, yet I matter that much to you. Oh God, help us believe it's true. Help us know that You didn't just say it. You proved it in Jesus. We need you. We need you. We we need you.